Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right! All right! All right. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Here's In the Bonus with Doug Gottlieb. What up? Doug Gottlieb Show in the Bonus here on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're doing well. I really do. Uh, Let's talk some Zion Williamson, shall we? Obviously, your boy had the day off yesterday. I got a lot to get to. I do want to bring in uh, Chase Stu on Shohei uh, going to the Dodgers, as we all thought. Maybe not in the way in which we thought he would all go to the Dodgers. Uh, but remember, Zion Williamson, who statistically has had a good year. I, I went, I saw them play, the Pelicans play about uh, two and a half weeks ago against the Clippers. And he's still an, a dynamic scorer around the basket. He's, he's too big and strong for guys his side. He's too quick for bigger guys to guard. Um, doesn't shoot it great or often, doesn't have to, but can get to the rim a ton. But still not the explosive freak, not the complete all-around player that many thought he would be at this time. And Shaq and Barkley was like, look, dude, we had we had weight problems during our career, especially during our career. We got it figured out, became Hall of Famers. Stephen A uh, said that he knows what chefs who love cooking for him, cook for him all the time, and that he eats everything, including the table. Here's Zion Williamson having this exchange with reporters in response to the various criticisms. Uh, if it comes from a great place and a place where they just want to see me do better, thank you. But if it comes from anywhere else, everybody entitled their own opinion. Can't control that. Is there any of that stuff that you hear and you feel like it's too far or are they do too much or stuff like that? At the end of the day, I can't control what no grown man do. can't control what no grown adult does. All I can do is uh, control the things I can't control, locking on myself, locking on my teammates, 
coaches and everybody with the Pelicans, the city, and went and tried to win. Yeah, so kind of a non-answer answer, but we know the gist of it, right? The gist of it was, hey, if it's Barkley and Shaq, I respect you guys. You just want me to be the best. Great. If not, you know, um, you know, if if not, to hell with you, right? You're entitled to your opinion, which is really all you can possibly say. You can't go back at dudes because it it's punching it down. It doesn't it doesn't actually help you. On the other hand, should be pointed out that like. This is a legitimate problem. And it's always interesting, right? Like, why, what are your cautions about a guy? And I remember when, when he was drafted, I said, like, I think he's incredible. But the body type is just not one that we see play long-term in the NBA as a star. And the style of playing as well, same thing. Like, really hard to think that he's going to play at that weight and be successful in doing it for a long period of time. I think all of that is, these are very reasonable takes. Uh, But there's other interesting parts to it, right? There's the, how do we get to this place where it's kind of okay to body shame guys? Right? Because that's really what some of this is, is we're like, we're like body shaming dudes. And I, I think sports is different, but there is, I mean, if Stephen A, this is a real question maybe I'm asking to people. I don't know it. If Stephen A was not black, could he get away with saying it? Didn't play in the NBA. Didn't coach in the NBA. You know, so you don't have that automatic level of respect. If he was anybody else, could he get away with saying what he said? I don't know. Um, but I do know that it's part of what makes you the number one overall pick. It's part of the Zion Williamson story. And I think it's safe to say that, like, no matter how good you think you are, unless you're willing to completely dedicate yourself to changing your body, there's going to be a ceiling there because either your legs are going to give earlier than you want to. And by give, I mean not be able to have as many spectacular highlights, make as many impactful plays, or you're just going to get hurt. Jay Stu, what do you think of the, of the, I don't think it's a controversy, but of the discussion over his weight? I just think that there's a, um, there's this thing where we found out during the pandemic, for whatever reason, a lot of things go back to the pandemic for me, but uh, that's my problem. I thought the reason why we couldn't tell people to start working out and work on your health, um, and maybe you'll be in better shape when this thing hits you was because fat shaming is a problem in this country and nobody wants to feel bad about fat shaming and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's interesting to me that Stephen A just breaks that barrier. You bring up an interesting angle. If if it's Tim Legler who says that, is he getting more shit than Stephen A? Can Stephen A just say anything? Has Stephen A reached that point in the media, like Barkley, where he could just say anything and we're just going to kind of look the other way. Um, but can't we all relate to the Zion Williamson thing? I mean, I have had weight issues my entire life. Not severe weight issues, but I have. Up and down, up and down. If you give me $20 million, I'm going to buy 10 times as many double stuff Oreos a week. I mean, I, I I, can relate to Zion Williamson and his weight issues. That's that's And... It's a generational thing too. I'm guessing his his family has always had issues with this. I could totally relate to this whole thing. Hmm. Um, I can relate to the whole thing as well. Um, 
in that, you know, it's just in order to be a great success, you have to make sacrifices, some over sacrifice the things you love. And food is, is an addiction just like any other addiction. And I don't know if he's addicted to eating fried food or, or the wrong foods or too many carbs or if he's a sugar guy. You know, sugar, it's been shown, has more powerful addictive qual- uh, qualities than, um, than, even, uh, than even cocaine. Like, it's a real, it's a real thing. It's an absolutely real thing. So I look at this deal and I go, man, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel that much sympathy for Zion because this has been discussed time and again and time and again. And he's unwilling to accept what is obviously holding him back. I mean, I, I, I disagree with you and I are, are fine, Jay. So I, I know we're both just pointing out how society handles things. I think in athletes, like if you're overweight, you're overweight. If you're underweight, you're underweight. If you need to change your body, this is all things that real people talk about. But what I, I really want people to understand, okay, it's important that they understand is that um, if you can't shoot, you go and work on it all off season. If you can't, Jalen Brown, we make fun of, he can't dribble his left hand. You go and work on the off season. This is no different to me. It's the thing holding his game back. That and his shooting. So, I, it is weird that Stephen A has gotten to the point to where he can say whatever and there doesn't seem to be ramifications. But some of that is, like, look, when you get to this point, you do need somebody to not care and just tell you that God's honest truth. And the God's honest truth is you're pissing away superstardom. Like right now, Nike still has their Zion shoe, but does anybody see them pushing it? No. Is it a big thing? No. And Zion made Duke likable. That's how likable a guy he is. It's not about likability. But if there's any other part of your game that's missing that can be fixed, you tell somebody to work out and fix it. He hasn't fixed it. Okay, so is now, is everything the Dodgers have done previously forgiven because they got Shohei Otani? I I have a multi-layered answer to this. Okay. I have I have a complicated relationship with the Dodgers front office. So the this is entails a long answer. I'm going to give you the shortened version. Um they they didn't spend any money a year ago. They didn't spend any money at the trade deadline. And fans were up in arms about this and and I was critical of that. I had just said at each of those times if the grand plan is to save up for Shohei Otani, then just tell us that. Because remember at the trade deadline, uh, Friedman gave us some bullshit about how he loved the moves. And he went, they went out and got a second baseman who's average, and he's like, I love what we did. Um, and Lance Lynn and those, just don't lie to us. Just be like, this is a part of a grand plan. Trust us. Then everything would have been fine, but they didn't do that. They they tried to play it. They tried to play it coy, and I don't like that. It seems a little swarmy, swarmy, whatever the word is. So, um, I've told people this. I think what I what I like best about this move isn't that necessarily the Dodgers have Shohei. I mean, it's going to be amazing to watch that guy in our lineup every night, but. I'm just really happy that nobody else got him because the hatred or the uh, the amount of 
anger I would have had if he would have gone somewhere else far outweighs the love I have for the move, um, if that makes sense. I'm just glad he's on our team and he's not on theirs. Um, and I do think that Andrew Friedman deserves a lot of credit for this payment deferment thing. I mean, this is this is brilliant because I just saw a report this morning <laughs> that we're in the mix for Yamamoto, and that's that's not all. And Josh Hader. Imagine- Hader would give you a closer. <laughs> Yamamoto would give you a rotational pitcher, right? Yeah. And um, and the Yankees, by most people, they, they thought they were getting Yamamoto or y- Yamato or whatever. They thought it was done. So the whole thing is interesting. What else? So they need a closer. Hater would be that guy. They need how many starting pitchers? Yeah, who knows? I, I, I mean, they have, they have those young guys that we saw this past year that I think well, uh, another year under their belt, I think we're going to be okay. Um, and I don't know if the play is for 2024. This seems like... The play is for 2025 when Shohei could, could could be a pitcher. I mean, next year I think we'll make the playoffs and maybe make a run or whatever, but it seems like 2025 is like the year that we're just going to dominate the world. Uh, but so much so much could happen between now and then. When is Walker Buehler back? Yeah, yeah he's. I don't think he's going to be back until like mid-season or something. I don't know. i got to check that. <clears throat> Interesting. And then what they do with Clayton Kershaw. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to what the Fox says. And now... Every day at this time in the bonus podcast, we play for you a portion of a previous show, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports 1. Here's Dan Patrick and Dean Blandino, Fox Sports Rules Analyst, talking about the offsides penalty at the end of the Chiefs game. As blatant as it was and as obvious as it was, you know, early in the game, if it's close, marginal, you warn the player. But in a situation like that, when you're that offside, you're going to get the call, whether it's in the first quarter or the fourth quarter. What if Tony looks to the official and asks for help in that moment? Yeah, and the official should give that give that help to that player. And I, I've seen some video, you know, online where there's there there's one shot. I don't know where the camera came from, but it looks like Tony quickly looks to the sideline. That is so fast. There's no way that he could have gotten any acknowledgement from the official with just a quick cursory glance over there. Typically, you'll see that with the receivers that are closer to the sideline, and they'll look and they may even adjust their position based on what the official you know, what they're getting from the official. But the official will give that help if the help is, you know, is asked for. Well, I mentioned this, that the official doesn't want to make that call. I mean, it's an incredible play. You don't want to be the story. And that's why, you know, Mahomes and Andy Reid were so upset that the officials and, you know, they make mistakes and, you know, they're going to be fine for the comments that they made. But an official, I don't think, goes, man, I haven't, I haven't thrown a flag in a while. I'd like to get a little airtime here. I mean, do, do you, does, does Dan really think that? Do we really think that? Look, look my, my belief on this whole thing is that what Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes said is very likely to be, not very likely, is, is true 99% of the time. And it's like an inside the beltway thing where, yeah, sometimes you may line up off sides, but you don't call it there because there's no advantage gained. And if you look over and you get you get a thumbs up from the from the line judge. The issue with it is, uh, like Dean Blandino said, he wasn't even set up at the line of scrimmage or just beyond it when he looked over at the line judge. I mean, look, the line judge saw him line up off sides, saw him off sides, ball was snapped, threw the flag. It's not that hard. The, the issue with this is how it's normally officiated and things are, are, are lenient. Uh, we see this, by the way, in basketball. And one of the things that, that basketball officials have always done is sometimes they'll miss a foul and the ball will go out of bounds and they'll give it to the team who was fouled, but the foul was missed, even if the ball shouldn't be theirs. And it's just a way of evening it up. But now with instant replay, you just can't get away with that as much. 
But I don't think for one second anybody wanted the attention of the cameras or Pat Mahomes screaming at them. I think he was offside, so they called it as such. Here's Keyshawn Johnson talking about the Lakers in-season championship banner idea. I'm with it 100%. Because? Because it's a championship. This is different than the old Pacific, was it the Pacific Division? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Pacific Division. It's different. This is a championship, Mm. right? And you say, well, what does that mean? It means that every single year from here on out, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming over the next 50 years, this is, this is every single year, yeah. there's going to be an in-season tournament. I assume so. They're not going to take it away. So we're not hanging a banner where they go, oh, we looked at it. It didn't work. The ratings wasn't good. It wasn't that. That's not what the NBA is doing. The NBA is building this. And every single year, it's 2000, ours will be 2023. So in that square at the top, mm-hmm. we'll put 2023, boom. Then the rest of them will be blank. Then it'll be 2027, boom. Then 28, boom. That's okay because it'll Wait, be off to the side. A years? I well, I just I didn't want to go. Multiple, I didn't want to go every yeah. single year. I just right. was spacing it out so that you can understand hmm. what those boxes are going to look like. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have any problem with it. I, do I? Do I think it's? Uh, should be different and viewed different. Sure. It's just a little tournament, you know, it should be pointed out that they used to have the great Midwest tournament over at the great Midwest forum. Um, and in the preseason, granted that was preseason. Sometimes it was foreign teams, but they would have a champion. They also have summer league champions. You know, there's other things you can win championships for in this case, considering the entire NBA qualified for it, the entire NBA played it. It was during NBA season. It was NBA sanctioned. I don't have a problem with it. It's just one more banner the Clippers don't have. I think that's funny. I just, like, let's just be honest and put it in a place where it's in Staples or crypto, whatever it's called now, but it's not prominent in comparison to the title banners or the retired numbers. Here's Colin Cowherd talking about offensive head coaches versus defensive head coaches. Using a backup quarterback is a reality. Over 50 quarterbacks going to play this year. So Zach Wilson, let's take the two New York teams. Zach Wilson is a number two pick. Big time talent. Has a number one wide receiver. But he's got a defensive head coach. Now he had a nice weekend this weekend. But his numbers on the year with a defensive coach. Because he was inserted into this lineup as a backup to Aaron Rodgers. 60% completion percentage, 78 passer rating, 7 touchdowns, 6 picks. Tommy DeVito, undrafted, is the third quarterback being used. He's a third stringer. May not be in the league in a couple years. No number one receiver. With an offensive coach, 67% completion percentage. A passer rating at 106, 7 TDs, 1 pick. And last night... It's happening all over the league. The Colts, Cleveland, Cleveland's on their fourth. The Giants, a defensive coach has to use a backup. Disaster. Embarrassing. Man overboard. An offensive coach has to. Wins and productive. 11 of the 14 playoff teams this morning have an offensive head coach. 11 of the 14 teams have an offensive head coach. I, I, I just, I got to tell you, I think this is the most nonsensical discussion Collins ever fucking had in his life that he's really caught up on. I don't think 
who the head coach is in terms of his offensive and defensive matters. It just doesn't. If you have a defensive head coach, a defensive-minded head coach, you got to have a really good offensive staff. If you have an offensive, you got to have a really good defensive staff. You know, I mean, like, look, Mike McDaniels is a great offensive uh, play caller, and uh, Frank, I forget his last name, who's behind him as his offensive coordinator, also elite. But their defense, you know, had basically responded. They had one pick six last night and responsible for another touchdown as well. And it's three straight games with a pick six. He's got Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. So, right, did Vic Fangio not win in Denver because he was a defensive head coach or because he hired an offensive coordinator who wasn't any good? And a quarterback who was terrible last year was heavy and didn't play well. Not because Vic Fangio is not. You have to be a good head coach. And a good head coach understands what they do and, and does what they do well and has to hire the right people and empower them for the things they don't do well. I, I truly believe it is that simple. That's what the Fox said. What does the Fox say? Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's find out who or what's annoying Jason Stewart. And now... It's your annoying. Hey, Doug. So, um, Chris Mad Dog Russo, uh, legend, Hall of Famer in our industry. He's he's probably the loudest of these voices, but I've seen it on Twitter over the last couple of days. So, as everyone knows, Shohei Otani is going to play for two million dollars a year for the next ten years, and then get paid at the end six hundred and eighty million dollars. Uh, genius contract by the Dodgers. Um, Mad Dog Russo, in summary of his rant, thinks this is a disgrace. He calls the sport a joke. Rob Manfred should overrule it. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of this argument online, and this isn't even coming from a place of a of like a Dodger fan. The contract is not illegal. That's been confirmed and verified. A contract like this would never be given out if it wasn't run by some kind of collective bargained legal arbitrator. Um, So what's legal is fair and quit fucking complaining about it. Uh, So who's who's annoying in this case? Well, Chris Russo was the one that said everything. So Mad Dog Dog is... Uh, is annoying you, or is it the Dodgers being said told their geniuses are annoying? Which one's which one's annoying to you, Russo? Uh, Russo is annoying to me for calling this a disgrace, for saying Man- Rob Manfred should overrule it, yes. and the sport is a joke because of it. Yes, yes. Now, and and um, there were there was a, a push last night on social media saying that the contract was going to be deemed illegal. And I saw Jeff Passon was like, that's not going to happen. Passon to me, um, there, there are things about his game I don't love, but um, he can be a little arrogant, but he seems to really be tied in. And none of the guys that are the legit baseball writers, okay, they, the, the guys that covered the stories, the John Paul Morosis, I know he's a little shook by, by the Toronto affair. But the, the point is this, if it's legal then what, what do you expect the commissioner to do about it? If they outsmarted the system, if they read the rules and they had people that smartly knew, like you don't think they ran it up to the league to say, hey, can we do this or had support of it? So yeah, it's, it's really, especially considering that Russo's show is on the MLB network, which is owned by the MLB. So if he thought there was legit illegality to it, then all you got to do is run up the food chain and they would tell you, Chris, you may be right in spirit, but uh, by letter of the law, this is legal and it's going to go through. Yeah, that's what's happened. I agree with you. I think the problem with, with Russo, too, is that, I mean, he disgraced himself 
in the World Series when he said that he was going to quit radio if the Diamondbacks lost. And and he went back to the whole thing of, well, my you know tongue was in cheek. You know, it wasn't to be taken serious. I didn't have a tongue in cheek. I my tongue. So it, whenever he does stuff like this, I guess there's you always have to leave the possibility that he's joking, um, which kind of sucks because he can never take a stance without us being, well, are you serious this time? Because you went back on that whole World Series thing. Um, Great. So um, Tommy DeVito yes. took over last night. I saw took you over. tweeting about him. Everyone was. and I loved it too. I liked it, dis- the- it distracted me. I didn't see the end. I didn't see the Titans come back. The Titans were down two touchdowns. I thought it was over. I flipped over, and I was so into the DeVito thing that I stopped paying attention to the Dolphins game, and I was like, wait, flip back over. What happened? Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. This has become the season of celebrating the great stories of backup quarterbacks because so many fucking starting quarterbacks have gotten injured, and DeVito's like the latest story, and he's done well. This is what I have a problem with, and don't misinterpret me. Nobody misinterpret me here. I don't have an issue with it. I am a 51-year-old white guy. Um, I don't care about this. What I do care about is over the last three or four years, I've been told or we've been told that we're really supposed to care about cultural appropriation. We're really supposed to be sensitive, especially when a dominant culture is appropriating a minority culture. How in the hell are people going to the mafia card over and over and over again with this DeVito thing. And I'm not seeing anything from the Defamation League, the AAAU. I'm not seeing anything from any group that takes up for the minority groups in this country. That's what I'm annoyed about. Why is this okay? Why is this okay, Doug? Um, not sure. Uh, because, uh, you know, because, honestly, it's Italians making fun of themselves. I mean, you saw his agent wearing the hat and the black suit, right? Like, how great was that? Oh, it was great. Yeah, loved it. It's amazing. If I can say, as an Italian-American myself that grew up in a very Italian family, this kind of stuff we celebrate. We we like we like this stuff. Like it's been part of the culture for a long time. Sopran like even if I can't get away for it or I think it's bad that it's like, hey, Italians are criminals, nobody really thinks that. And most of my cousins grew up loving watching every Al Pacino movie they could get their hands on, including Scarface, which wasn't even, you know, Italian, but whatever. Like it's it's just it's been <laughs> part of something we've celebrated and we share with everyone. Like everyone's watched Sopranos. It's fine. No, it's great. Um, and I don't think Doug has seen those products, but and you should. I watched I've seen it some of them. I, have, I haven't watched all of them, though. Yeah. I watched the entire thing over again during the pandemic. It was amazing. Um, so I think what Chris just gave us was the perfect answer to my question, why is this okay? And it's because if the actual culture or race doesn't have a problem with it, why should we? But I will say this. We found out during the whole Redskins crisis, and we found out during this whole Native American thing of you know the, the, the tomahawk chop, that there are a lot of people that are just complaining about it, and the actual cultures or tribes or whatever had no problem with it. So I don't even know if that's a disqualifier in this. It, over the last five years, we've gotten a lot of people that are taking up for groups that aren't a part of that group, so it's just kind of a strange one. It's um, a strange one. What else? Matt Ariza, I don't know if you follow Dan Wetzel on Twitter. I I suggest anybody who listens to this should follow Dan Wetzel. He's an amazing writer. He just tweeted out this morning, 
A woman who initially alleged she was sexually assaulted by Matt Ariza has dropped her civil suit against the former NFL punter. Dropped it. She dropped the civil suit. Ariza is making no monetary payment. He reserves the right to sue the woman's attorney, but will drop his defamation suit against the woman. Ariza has spent the last 18 months defending his character and was cut by the bills in August of 2022 when the civil suit was first filed. Um, the reason why this is annoying, and you and I have talked about this many times, Matt Ariza got railroaded by this woman. He got railroaded. He's lost his income. Uh, I understand he's like a mid-level punter, and this is the reality of the world. But juxtaposed against the bills, waiting for the legal process to work its way out, in the case of Von Miller, who makes, I don't know, 40 million bucks a year and he's one of the stars of the league, I think that's hypocritical. I think the Bills should uh, send this punter back pay for whatever they were going to pay him last year. I think that's a, I think it's a travesty, to be honest. Uh, why let the legal process work its way out through the Von Miller thing, but not Matt Ariza? Yeah, we always say we'll let the legal process work its way out, and then when it does, he's, he's not been made whole. Uh, it's it's I, I don't know if annoying is the word, but it's definitely worthy of discussion. So I've got uh, the bills annoying for the Manorizo thing. I've got there's no Italian activists, no no defenders, um, and Chris provided a good good reason for that. And then Chris Russo for saying that this is a disgrace, and the commissioner should rip the deferment plan off the contract. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with Chris Russo. Just, you know, somebody comes up with a deal that everybody wins on. Everybody wins here. You know, and as we discussed in the radio show and here in the pod, maybe the coolest part is that we actually learned that Shohei Otani is exactly like we would be, I think, where you're like, I can't, I don't need all that money right now. I can't spend all that money. You guys figure that out. I just want to play ball, and making a couple million a year is fine. Like, it's good. The Dodgers are great because, you know, they don't have to pay nearly as much as the final tally, and they can uh, – and they won people back over like yourself, like Ramos, like all our Dodger fans with getting that thing done and still having some flexibility. And his agents win because they get a deal that no one's ever going to touch in terms of the overall value. And Russo doesn't like it. Why? Because the Yankees didn't, couldn't do that, didn't do that? Sorry. You're not! Why are we doing this? Why do I? Because we can. All right, Jay Stu, what's our because we can? Tyreek Hill uh, sustained, I think that's the word, sustained a really bad injury last night. But then remember that he came back onto the field in the third quarter and he uh, provided an explanation afterwards for it. When it happened... Like my my first reaction was like, man, my my ankle bump. Then my my adrenaline kicked in. I ran off the field. And then I sat for a while and got stiff. Like I was just going through a lot of pain. And so then I just in my mind. I came in at halftime. I text my wife. I was like, bro, like this shit hurt. Like need an ankle massage tonight. She was like, you better get your ass back in that game, dog. I was like, all right. So I just made up my mind that it's going to hurt. It's going to suck tomorrow morning, tonight and tomorrow morning. You know, and I just went back in the game on my own. Without anybody saying, Reek, 
go. Like, nah, it was like, fuck this. I gotta, gotta get out there, you know, and bring some energy and be that spark. Um, okay. I love it. Why can I play it for you? Cause we can't, I love the idea that he went back in the game on his own. Um, and there's a dramatic difference. I think he's the, I don't know, valuable or most dynamic, impactful player in the National Football League. He just completely changes what the Dolphins look like when he's out there. Why can I play that for you? Because we can. Let's get to our pick of the day. Okay, sir, the bet is to you. All in, baby! It's time for the pick of the day. So, um, in college basketball, college basketball, you have... Uh, finals week for most places. Now, it doesn't mean that all of these schools that are on at final on finals week, right? It doesn't mean that they don't have basketball games. It's just not the depth of college basketball games like there normally is. So when you're trying to find a winner, you got to find something that that makes sense. Like who would who would blow somebody out? And I've I've found it. Arguably, the most disappointing team this year in the country is Maryland. Maryland brings back some talent from last year's roster. Um, and I think they made the NCAA tournament. Julian Reese, that's Angel Reese's brother. Remember, Angel was at Maryland. Julian is at Maryland. He had 24 and 15 last time out. And they also bring back Jameer Young, who's their point guard, kind of scoring machine. So they have some guys back. Uh, they have Dante Scott is also back. Like, you get three starters, and they also have Jordan Geronimo, who transferred in from Indiana. So you get three starters from last year's team that are all seniors as well. You should be really good in college basketball, and they've just been okay. Now, they're 1-0 in Big Ten play. Need overtime to beat Penn State, and Penn State's not very good this year. They lost their whole team from last year. But they take on Alcorn State. Alcorn State is 1-8. and eight. Their only win is a non-Division one win. Um, They did nearly beat UAB, but for the most part, all the rest of their losses have been by at least uh, Clemson was one of the closest, and it was 21 points. So Maryland's a 22-point favorite. That's a lot of points for a team that's not very good. Um, Five and four on the year, that's a lot of points. And it should be pointed out that they've only won two games this year by more than 22 points. But this is one of those, hey, we got to thump somebody. We got to get, and Alcorn's not very good. Give me Maryland and the points. That's it for the In the Bonus podcast. Check out the daily radio show on the Doug Gottlieb Show, 3 to 5 Eastern, 12 to 2 Pacific. I'm Doug Gottlieb. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at First Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.